All right, you guys, so I don't normally do this as much as I want to, but today it's kind of needed. I need to rant just a little bit. So as most of you know, um, I work at Starbucks and um, the new Unicorn Frappuccino came out today. And for most of you who don't know, the Unicorn Frappuccino is a mango-based cream frappuccino, uh, no coffee, and basically has sour stuff in the middle. It tastes like a sweet tart. So, since every, like, the Unicorn Frappuccino came out on the internet, like, a few weeks ago, and it has been, like, the number one frappuccino ever. So, because it's been so popular online, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I need to try it when it comes out. Well, today it came out, and I have to tell you, please don't get it! I've never made so many frappuccinos in my entire life. My hands are completely sticky. I have unicorn crap all in my hair and on my nose. I have never been so stressed out in my entire life. It has been insane. If you love us as baristas, don't order it. It's so difficult to make right after the other. And people were coming in left and right drive through and in the front we don't know which type of frappuccinos go where we just hand them out so for the love of god and everything that is good don't get the unicorn frappuccino everybody welcome to the woo la podcast otherwise known as the right out of la podcast i am one of your hosts i am big al robinson and i am also known as the list man and i am found on twitter at al rob underscore mn okay and i'm i'm robin um so you can find me right out of la uh, on twitter and also at the website right out of la.com which i'm sure you're all uh, reading right now Hello, I am Jonathan Holmes. You can also find me uh, as a guest writer sometimes at writeoutofla.com and on my own little uh, movie blog spot, mrbrownsvs.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at, under, at uh, mrbrown23, underscore 23. And I'm Joel Melendez. You can find me on Twitter as joem underscore 136. And uh, so today... We are uh, going to be reviewing a few uh, recent movies. Um, Jonathan's going to start us off with Ghost in the Shell. Uh, we're going to talk about The Fate of the Furious. So, and then we will be discussing uh, the upcoming Cannes Film Festival lineup, uh, what we're excited for, um, to give us some films uh, that uh, none of us have presumably seen that we should and then uh, we should be closing it out by talking about our three favorite Palme d'Or winners. So that should be exciting. Okay, so uh, Jonathan, you have recently seen A Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, before I, before I go into uh, 
the plot and all that. Well, Ghost in the Shell is actually based on the originally on the manga of the same name by uh, Masamure Shiro, and it's also based on the 1995 anime adaptation by Production IG, and that was directed by Maromo Oshii, who also in this movie had a was he wasn't an executive producer, but he was, he did have put have creative input on the uh, the twenty the live action version. Uh, for me, when I first heard that Ghost in the Shell was going to become a live action ad, uh, ad, adaptation, I like a lot of everyone else. I was very excited to see what would uh, what would it look like. How would they treat not only just how would they treat the uh, the, the manga and the anime adaptation, but also uh, the TV series, because there's also... Um, because really, Ghost in the Shell has branched out into all TV anime adaptations. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, uh, Second Gig, and another movie. Well, two movies, actually. Uh, one is Solid State Society, which wraps up uh, the uh, the standalone complex uh, uh, universe, and as as well as um, another uh, four episode anime arc called Ghost in the Shell Rise, which is the uh, early days of Section Nine before I think the events of uh, the nineteen ninety five uh, anime. So and there's just there's a so it, it's very interesting. I, I was very excited to see how. Uh, these movies would how how the filmmakers would adapt such a vast uh, knowledge and a, a vast uh, um, a, a, a bit a big portion of this universe and how would it all fit or did, like what does it, is it just going to be a standalone is it going are they going to try and make more movies because I feel like you know what with Ghost in the Shell given its themes and well, it's the it seems its characters, the writing, the universe, the philosophy. This could I feel like okay, you know, if done right, this could be this might actually be the film that finally um, gets anime. That we get to see more anime at, at more anime adaptations, and I've been wanting to see that for a while now because I feel like after uh, after superhero movies. When, when whenever that uh, starts to die down, I think that's like the next big. That'll be the next big um, thing, fad or fad or however you want to see it in in film in, in filmmaking, uh, uh, taking uh, uh, anime properties and make and making them into uh, big budget or indie uh, style films, uh, <clears throat> and uh, well. I guess the final the final product of what we saw is it's not as bad as a lot of pe- a lot of fans and a lot of critics say, but there are so many problems with this film. <laughs> uh, I guess to start, I would have to say this ad- <clears throat> this uh, adaptation is um, it, if you've seen if you've seen the 1995 version, it kind of. It, it follows that same template. Uh, this is a futuristic uh, society in Japan where the, the society is now 
being as now as rapidly being accepted to, accepting uh, all forms of cyberization, uh, and the latest step in in uh, the evolution of uh, cyberization is putting a, a human brain in a she- into a um, shell into a robot shell, uh, which means they're basically it's it's the best of both. Uh, artificial intelligence and humanity itself, and that creation has is uh, a woman called Motoka, Motoko Kusanagi. She is she is uh, the leader of a elite of elite uh, policing unit called Section Nine when they investigate and stop and try to stop uh, cyber tech. Cyber terrorism, hacking, and corporate espionage, and she is played by uh, Scarlett Johansson of from the Marvel Cinematic Universe fame and Lost in Translation and Into the Skin, uh, Under the Skin, and the Horse Whisperer. Uh, <laughs> really, I didn't know she's in the Horse Whisperer. Interesting. Yeah, she's the young girl. Oh, okay. Anyway, she's playing a character. Well. Technically, and this is probably one of the things I had a problem with, uh, and I guess this is just me being a nitpick purist. Her name is uh, Major Mira Killian. Her backstory is that she, allegedly, she was, uh, in a past life, she was uh, trying to come to Japan, but was attacked by terrorists. Her body was damaged beyond repair, but Hanka Robotics saved, were able to save her mind and put her in a cybernetic, in a cybernetic shell. Hence the title Ghost in the Shell. Uh, one year later, one year later, she is now a member of, she's now a member of Section 9, and her latest case isn't, is investigating a Class A cyber hacker Name known only as Kuze. Kuze is attacking uh, me- uh, high up, higher up levels uh, under uh, Hanuk- Hanuka Robotics, <clears throat> and the team and the team is sent to um, essentially stop. Is to basically to try and stop them. However, uh, <clears throat> Mato- uh Sorry, Matoko. I'm just gonna call him Matoko. I, I I'm calling her Matoko because that's her name. Uh, <laughs> she's experiencing uh, when she, when she got her body and her her cybernetic body. She's been experiencing what she thinks are glitches, and she's not entirely sure if they are if, if they are glitches or if they're memories of a past life before she became. A member of a member of Section Nine, but really, that's pretty much the whole plot of Ghost in the Shell. Uh, <clears throat> as I said earlier, the film—I don't think it's as, it's as bad as um, a lot of critics say it is, but it's it, there are a lot of. I mean, there's there's stuff a lot of stuff to like. I feel the visual aspect of the film, the world of Ghost in the Show, they did that part justice. And 
if you haven't seen the movie or even the anime shows, it, it, it feels very much a blend of uh, the near future. It feels like the future, but it still feels somewhat modern. Uh, <clears throat> the advancements of technology and so, uh, cyberization feel very kind of relevant, somewhat relevant and today. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 the whole look of the film actually feels very much like uh, Blade Runner. And it, it, it's a really good way. It's a, it feels like a very nice homage to that movie. And there are some visual uh, tricks and techniques I feel like, okay, they're definitely kind of t- saying, oh yeah, this is inspired by Blade Runner. Um, the, uh, I feel like the edit, the editing, uh, is actually pretty spot on, very solid. Uh, also Scarlett Johansson as, um, as the major, again, a lot of controversy just because it, because it's, it's a white actress playing a Japanese character. But honestly, I kind of, uh, once, once I heard about that they were going to make an animated version of, a live action version of this movie. I kind of figured it it was they were going to it was going to be a um a white actress playing playing this role. Like just I just automatically saw it. Like yeah, that's going to ha- that's basically what's going to happen. And Scarlett Johansson is not bad in the movie. She does kind of resemble Motoko Kusanagi. Her some of the mannerisms, uh the look of her I can see why they chose her, and Scarlett has uh, a lot of acting chops, action chops. Uh, probably the best performance, though, was uh, by Takeshi Katano, who plays Dice K. Armaki, the leader of Section 9. And mostly because he, again, he, it, it, he is speaking in Japanese, and it's just... It's a great, it's a very, a very, very good performance. There's also one scene that I thought was really cool, and it's uh, where Section Nine gets burned. And okay, I'm going spoil, spoiler territory. Uh, <clears throat> the leader of Hanukkah Robotics, Mister Cutter, is basically trying to kill uh, Aramaki and the rest of the uh, and the rest of the uh, of Section Nine for what the major found out about her past. And as he's entering the car, entering the car telling, uh, telling his, his team to basically go underground, uh, <coughs> uh, Cutter's men basically come out of nowhere and start firing upon his car, only to find out that he's still, that he's, A, he ducked, he's still alive, and he just goes on a shooting spree with a <laughs> with a three fifty seven revolver, and then uh, says to one guy who's laying there dying, "Don't come, <clears throat> don't try to attack, uh, don't send a fo- don't send a rabbit to kill a fox," and then just blows his head off, and empties the remaining uh, the the empty shells on it on his corpse. Like, <laughs> Holy shit, that is badass. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Uh, 
That was re- that was a really great scene. Uh, I also really liked a Michael Carmen Pitt as Kuze, and once he's fully revealed, the look of Kuze really feel. It, how do I put this? It's very, um, very much. It kind of reminds me of a Mary Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. This deformed, broken uh, character who's. He's trying to take his revenge on society for discarding him. And even his speech feels very uh, broken. Because, well, mostly because he is, um, again, going to spoil territory. Uh, they, uh, uh, the people at Hanukkah told her that, sh- that, uh, that Kusanagi was the first of her kind, a, a, uh, a human mind inside of a uh, cybernetic shell. And it turns out that's not the case because Kuze was originally uh, a test subject of Hanukkah. And bec- unfortunately, his mind, did not take, his mind did not take well to his shell. So they basically discarded him and started over again. And his crimes have been purely out of revenge and self-defense for Annika trying to kill him. Uh, And again, it's a really... He has this monologue about how he is trying to... how he feels like he's been discarded like garbage and around him is... really... It's really ingenious because... the, re- the reason why Section 9 hasn't been able to find it is because he actually built his own network using human minds in, uh, to evade detection and also to hack into other people's uh, ghosts and the other people's uh, cybernetic uh, net- uh, data networks. And again, it's a really disturbing and <laughs> chilling scene to see that and to see the look of horror on, on Matoko on Motoko Kusanagi's face as to see, oh, oh this, is, this is how he's been able to uh, avoid getting uh, 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 caught by Section 9. And yet, I feel like that, um, the character of Kuze himself highlights one of the big problems with this movie. Uh, and it, 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 and which is, uh, they are taking, they take um the filmmakers took a lot of inspiration from uh other parts from the, from the ghost in the shell universe the character kuze himself uh whose full name is hideo kuze is actually a, a blend between uh a character from uh between second gig and uh the puppet master of the uh of the manga and the 1995 animated version, where he's uh, going after a cor- <clears throat> a mega corporation for tr- discarding him and leaving him to die. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the scene where uh, Matoko Matoko basically goes after one of Kuse's henchmen in the standing pool of water, and while she's uh, in camo, in camo, in camouflage, also taken from Ghost in the Shell, 
and stuff like that. And there are other nods that that this film that that that, that the um, animated version takes. No, not the animated version. The uh, live action version takes. Uh, Bato, uh, <clears throat> who's in the movie, uh, has one of his things is that he uh, he likes to feed stray dogs, and he has uh, one of them, which is a beagle, a kind of a fat beagle. That was also not that's a nod to Ghost in the Shell too, in a sense. And there's a lot of this that fits that goes into the movie that that are that's in this movie. And yet, it just feels very much kind of nod, nod, wink, wink, and just mm. it, if you're not like a hardcore fan like I am, you, you're going to feel a little bit lost. You're going to feel lost, and it feels like they're trying to pander to um, both hardcore fans and first-time viewers, and not really satisfying anyone. Uh, but I think the big, the biggest problem I have with the movie. Uh, the whitewashing, I'm gonna, I, uh, is definitely part of it. The the backstory of uh, the major, but really the big problem is that uh, the 1995 animated version uh, really was kind of a science fiction drama, uh, a, a philosophical argument on the blurring between man and machine, and what happens when what ha- what happens when uh, Humanity evolves so much technologically that we begin to we might lose what makes a what makes us human in the first place. In uh, that that movie was basically just it was a sci, it was a sci-fi drama with a lot of philosophical arguments to be made. Here, they wanted to make an action film, and that's where everything feels so out of place. Mm. So it it just kind of feels hollow. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, if I could sum that up in one word, uh, it looks great, but it is hollow. So, well, then uh, I know this was directed by Rupert Sanders, who did uh, yeah the Huntsman so, movie. Yep. And I remember seeing that and going, "Oh, this is a pretty movie, but boy, this is terrible." <laughs> <laughs> it so like um, was it at least how was the pacing like? Because I remember the Huntsman being kind of slow. Oh, uh, the, the, I think the pacing of the movie is uh, okay. Sometimes it feels, feels like it stops dead just to, to put out some more exposition. Uh, and ironically enough, this movie's about uh, an hour and 46 minutes, so go figure. <laughs> but um, also another problem I guess I have with this movie and again, this is this is at this point me nitpicking and being a a, a nerd about this about th- this world. Uh, we really don't. It, 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 there isn't that much character development, to be honest. I mean, outside of uh, the major and Kuze and Bato, unless you're again, unless you're like a really big fan of the series, you you really don't. Uh, you're only gonna. The only reason you're gonna know who Togusa is or Ishikawa Boma is if that if you're just a huge fan and it just goes by. Oh, this person kind of. It goes by looks alone, like um, like Ishikawa. Uh, 
you, uh, I knew, I knew who Ishikawa was because, uh, because of the, because of the uh, afro and the, the afro and the beard. I knew who Saito was because he has uh, a cybernetic eye, and his weapon of choice is a uh, <clears throat> is a sniper rifle, and he's only in one scene, and. Ishikawa is like in a handful of scenes, but we don't really get to know him that much. And the same thing with uh, with Togusa is probably my favorite character in the series. And Togusa is basically just kind of fully, fully human. Not doesn't really uh, <clears throat> hasn't really he doesn't really like uh, how society is so going full-born into cybernization, and he's one, pretty much 100% human hmm. in a world that's gone pretty much full cyber. And really, we don't really get to know that much about the team. And I feel like if you're going to do Ghost in the Shell, at least give us some token idea of, of who who the rest of the characters are than just, oh, hey, it's Togusa, or hey, it's uh, Ishikawa, and Pazo, Boma. It's just like, like ah, uh. so that really bothered me. So, would you recommend like like should should normal movie fans see this, or is this more like um, oh, you really need to like be into anime and that kind of thing, or well, like you know like for instance, were people who just like Scarlett Johansson would they like this movie? Uh you know what? Honestly, here's the thing: she's. Uh, you know, with, with much better material, like because she's played this character before in in Spike Jones, her where she's trying to find uh, right, her identity yeah. as a machine, mm-hmm. or if it, if she's just that a machine, and in Under the Skin where she plays an alien and she's trying to find, okay, am I comfortable as a human being, or what exactly what am I? to everyone else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think she she does she does that so so well trying to find the humanity of a uh, the humanity of a character that isn't even human. Uh and here she just she's just not that given that mu- that much to work with script okay. wise. Okay. So the script <clears throat> could be a lot better and then obviously yes. If they had hired like uh, more someone Japanese not, not named main Ru- actors, yeah. Also hired someone not named Rupert Sanders. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you guys saw uh, the Snow White and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman. That's right. Joel, uh, Robin, did you guys see that movie? No. No. Yes, that that one I saw it. The other one, the Huntsman. No. Okay. What did you think of the first one, the Snow White and the Huntsman? Uh, it was too slow. Uh, I remember. It was so long time ago. Uh, I remember not liking Christian Stewart, Stewart by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it was a weird movie. It was like... <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But I remember not like it. Not not like it that much by, uh, by then. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's the main thing I remember about that movie besides just how bad it was, was that um, Rupert Sanders had, like, had an affair with Kristen Stewart. Seriously? Yeah, it was, yeah. like, a big thing. Like, he had, he had 
uh, slept with her, even though he's married. And um, oh, <laughs> like Hollywood almost ran him out of the business. And uh, uh, so I was surprised that he even was back this quickly, especially with a project like Ghost in the Shell. Okay, okay. But you know, I mean, Hollywood's weird. You know, they yeah, their memory yeah. sometimes is like three days long. So especially if it's if it's man involved, if it's a woman, then right. It's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if if a woman, young woman director had done this, I mean, because this oh, was she'd like be done. Yeah, this was like his first film too. So big no no. Well, I think I still want to see Ghost in the Shell. Uh, maybe like when it comes to Blu-ray, maybe I'll rent it from Redbox yeah, or something. Yeah, that, that would, I would just say definitely go just watch the um, the nineteen ninety five uh, film uh, animated version and definitely check out uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex both seasons and just start from there. Okay, because you're gonna because you're I feel like you're gonna just gonna miss so much if you watch. The, if you watch the uh, film version. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Welcome to Intermission. Yeah. Intermission. then to move on to the fate of the furies sure uh should i go first yeah go ahead all right so um i just saw this last weekend and i wanted to try and go see that with uh julia but she ultimately decided she didn't want to see it uh at least right away uh so i went by myself i had a blast um these movies just keep uh, doing it for me. I, I I don't even know exactly what exactly is it is. I think if I could sum it up, it's it's I descri- well, one I describe these movies as like James Bond on steroids. Right. But also like I love these big over the top set piece action movies where like the characters are kind of just becoming like cartoons and you know so i like how diverse the cast is for one like i like um you know the rock is really funny i like uh, of course um uh the jokes from um ludicrous and from tyrese and everybody else and so i don't know it just kind of all blends together to make sort of this weird um mix that just works for me and um this one especially was again way over the top i mean it's like they just keep making these to see yeah, they're, if they they're, can outdo uh, the last it, one 
Yeah, a, yeah. A, after five is basically where they just said, "Ah, screw it. It's just let's just go all out and yeah, and be as outlandish and over the top as as humanly possible." Right. They kind of rewrote the idea of what these movies were, and I think yeah, they realized it, kind of like what they should be. Yeah, like after the third, I think after the fourth, but the fourth movie, it's like okay, let's just start making these movies heist films essentially. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, because, I mean, um, the latest Collider podcast... Oh, that's right, because the latest Collider podcast, they actually talk about uh, the series, and they talk about how, like, the first one was, like, street racers stealing DVD players. Yeah. <laughs> and and now it's like they're saving the world. They've literally become the Avengers. <laughs> yes. Yes, we, the Avengers with yeah. cars. Right. I mean, they, I mean, they might as well be superhuman at this point. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if you look, like, Vin Diesel is getting flabbier and flabbier, yet he is becoming, like, more and more athletic for the sake yeah. of the character. Also, it's funny that you mentioned Vin Diesel, because here's one of the problems I feel like I've had. Uh, I'm almost certain Vin Diesel wrote this script. <laughs> because... Dom's character is basically, you know, the, the opening the opening scene where they're in Cuba and his cousin gets into trouble with some dickhead um, and he basically races car for car like in all the other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, well, big shock, he wins. And uh, instead of taking his car, he basically just says he just, oh, you've earned my respect. Oh, you know, that's good enough for me. Right, yeah, just hands him the key. Says, I don't want your car. I just wanted your respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because, uh, because Dominic Toretto is just so fucking awesome. <laughs> well, you know... Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, it, no, it's fine. I, I, um, you're right, because... And, and, you know, I don't know who wrote the... Well, I mean, obviously, all Christopher we need Morgan. to do is... Oh, Christopher Morgan, okay. The, the, the problem with it that was pointed out that okay i get it i understand why this is a flaw i didn't necessarily care like it didn't bother me that much but the fact that like they keep talking about family and yet okay so we know that jason statham killed han who was like their brother yes yes exactly and then they like turn around it's the same problem i had i this movie was like really yeah i mean i mean for christ's sake i mean deckard shaw basically killed han i mean they actually rewrote like, uh, uh, Fast and Furious 3 just to set up that plot point. Right. And at the end, it's like, oh, okay, you saved my, my, you saved my bastard, my bastard son. We're all good. Right. Yeah, now he's family. And it's like, wait a minute. I would have to think that just everyone else is going to have a problem with this. Yeah. Well, like, plus the fact that, like, okay, spoiler alert. So, um... Vin Diesel has an illegitimate son with um, Elena, Elena, who we met in Brazil, and this was when he presumed Letty was dead. Yes, and so then now he has a child, and yes. <clears throat> so then when we get to the end of the movie, 
he names the the child Brian. Brian, yes. Even though like yeah, the that character... was actually a nod. That was yeah. basically just a nod to you know uh, Paul Walker. So yeah, I had no problem with that. Right. Uh, the thing about it though <laughs> is they should have named the kid Paul because Paul has passed away. Yeah. Brian, the character, is still alive. Well, yeah, he's just off the grid. <laughs> right. <clears throat> But I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't care about stuff like... I mean, like, okay. The plot itself is so ridiculously convoluted, but it doesn't matter because... Yeah. I just The whole series it is ridiculously convoluted at this point. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they've literally written themselves into a spiral. I don't yeah. even know... It's it's almost like they're creating their own DC universe where they're going to have start having problems if they don't fix this. Yeah, but also actually, it's it's funny you do mention Atlantic. Is exactly wh- how much time has passed between films? Because um, <clears throat> I, I get that you know Dom and Elena had a romance, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm assuming this is this is all in present day, which means uh, Toronto Sun should be about what two, like three, four years old by um... this point. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because if if when would they have um, done it in Fast Five? Uh, Fast, no, the, Fast the, the second, the second, the second movie. Yeah, the sixth film. Yeah. Okay, uh, I don't even know. I'm gonna have to like put together a timeline here because yeah, you're right. The kid should at least be older than an infant. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they make it like this kid was just born. Yeah, because Dom again, if you, he's not the one to basically step out on Letty. Now, given the fact that she's alive, mm-hmm. um, just it, it, again, there's just the convolutions and the plot just it threatens to be, essentially drag that film down under, under the weight of its own preposterous bullshit, right? <laughs> and yet, it's still fun to watch because. Because it's if you just accept that this that this whole series is one big cartoon, mm-hmm. it, it goes down easier. It really does. Oh, that's nice. <clears throat> yeah, Joel. I think that's the way you should think of it, Joel. Because, like, honestly, like um, after the well, really about from the f- the fifth movie. It just gets so overly ridiculous, and the characters yeah. start doing things that you're like, "Wait a minute, what? I don't." Huh? <laughs> and, and, and in some ways, you're like, "How is that even possible?" Like, okay, in the in the seventh one, oh, so like Ludacris's character, he's like the computer whiz. He sort of comes off as a nerd, but yeah. yet then, like, all of a sudden, he busts out these like fighting jujitsu moves, and it's like, "Wait a minute, when the hell did you have time to become like?" Uh, <laughs> You know, Bruce Lee. Capable of hand-to-hand combat, yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he just gives, like, some kind of wink or something. You know, like, we're all full of surprises here. You know? I don't know. Like, but I I like, again, I like a lot of the set pieces. I like the prison fight, for one, was uh, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Like, if you, if you like, one um, scene in the movie, it's that. Because they're setting up me, I feel like they're they're either going to set up the future of this franchise or they're going to have some kind of spin-off. Because we need to have more Jason Statham versus The Rock stuff. Yeah. 
And also, I think sorry, I heard yeah. news that they they wanted to do a spin-off with Dwayne Johnson's character and, and yeah. this they had one. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, just funny you mentioned Statham. Really, the best scene in the movie for me was on the airplane, and he's got Dom's kid. Yeah. And there's a huge and there's a huge fight on the plane with the kid with the headphones in his ears, mm. and he's just going after bad guys. It's it's actually <laughs> really funny. Yeah. Was your audience cracking up during that stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, mine was, too. Like, you know, all of a sudden, like, he shoots a bunch of people, and then all of a sudden he looks down at the kid, like, how are you doing? The kid just goes, eh! Huh? You know, he has this big goofy <laughs> smile, has no idea what's going on. Yeah, all that was so, so, uh, just... But that's what I'm talking about. Like, it works because it's no longer taking itself seriously. Right. And, I mean, you know, like, for instance, the fact that they go to New York and you have these ghost cars that, like, drive themselves. Yes. Apparently every every car in New York City is now shipped. Right. Or at least is now shipped and can be taken over with absolute ease and, pre- and pre- with precision, precision driving. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. more precision driving. I and not say. to mention the fact that, like, okay, the, the part that they kind of grazed over is the fact that, like, if that happened in New York City for real, that would be considered a major terrorist attack, something oh, like yeah. 9-11. Yes. But for these guys in this movie, that was just scene, you know, eight. And, like, yeah. now they got to... And then, like, I mean, because it's like, okay, that's not even the real thing. Now we got to go with this submarine in... in yes, like, and basically stop yeah. uh, Cypher <laughs> from essentially starting World War Three. Right, Oh my god, it's so crazy. Oh yeah, and, and you know. Oh, and Charlie's third is actually terrific as the vil- as the heavy. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. Uh do you think she'll be back? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh she's probably gonna be the big the big villain for nine and ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, because, like I don't know if she just goes, oh, I got my uh, my $20 million, now I'm going to get the hell out of here. Bye. <laughs> no. Uh, I, no, I, I think she's probably going to be back in, in some form or in some form or another. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading yeah, or something in, nine where... <laughs> in Variety that mm-hmm. they, they, they have that... Uh, Universal is considering Fast and Furious spin-off with Johnson, Staten, and Jerome. Oh, cool. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about Jerome uh, in this movie is she her hair. She looks like do you remember like a Rastafarian? Like, yeah, but do you remember like those um, in the Matrix sequels? Yeah, yeah. Um, where they have the yeah. Yeah, her hair looks just like those guys in the Matrix sequels. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I can't remember the character's name. Like I think Link, were, right? Yeah. Well, they were the ones. I think they were going Link after the Jim. Keymaster. Oh, oh yeah, those guys. Oh, those guys. Yes, the they twins. were like twins. Yeah, the albino twins. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, all I all I'm saying is that I thought I loved Fast Eight, and I I just I don't know. Like uh, I I just want them to keep making these because uh, as long as they got again like these good set pieces, 
and um, you know, action and comedy kind of all rolled into one. It works for me. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. And I'm Lee. And we are the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We are a podcast that looks to analyze what makes films great with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. Check out the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, or keep in the loop on Twitter by following me and Lee at Big Pick Reviews. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Okay, um, so I don't know if you've been following on this, my site, but I've gone a bit uh, pan crazy, which I tend to do every every year. I, <clears throat> I've never actually been, which is tr- tragic. Um, I'm going to try and go next year. You can sort of, um, if you big up your site and promote it, the, the, you can sometimes get invited. So I'm going to try that next year. So I'm working hard on that. But uh, yeah, we've got about... It's about three weeks away now. Um, do you want to talk about the lineup first, or should we do? Yeah. His historic recap. What, what, what do you want to do? Sure. So what we have here um, for the Palm Dior competition lineup, at least, as since not all films are in competition every year, um, we have, and I'm going by the English title. So we have 120 beats per minute, which is directed by Robin Camp. Hello, and that one is from France. Uh, a Gentle Creature, directed by Sergei Laznitsa, and that's from the Ukraine. Good Time, which is directed by Joshua and Ben Safdie, that is from the United States. Happy End, which is directed by Michael Haneke from uh, France, Germany, and Austria. In the Fade, which is directed by Faith Akin, which is a German film. It's Ju- fatty. Fatty Akin. Oh, okay. Fatty Akin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We have Jupiter's Moon, uh, directed by Cornel Mundrucho, uh, which is from Hungary. We have uh, Lamont Double, uh, directed by Francois Ozan, uh, from France. Loveless, directed by Andre... Oh, boy. Uh, Vagenstev. is Russian. He did, um, okay. His last film was Leviathan, which won the screenplay. Oh yeah, three years ago. Very, okay. really, like very, very bleak. Well, Russian, but sure. uh, very, very. Okay. Yeah, wasn't that the that was the three hour one, right? Oh no, no, no! no, 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 no. I'm was... thinking of Winter Sleep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Okja, which is uh the next Bong Joon Ho, um, from South Korea. Now, didn't he did um um oh god, uh, Snowpiercer? Right? Wasn't that Jun Hobong? Yeah. Yeah, Snowpiercer, yeah. Okay. Um, Radiance uh, from Naomi Kawasi uh, from Japan. Re, uh, God, uh, Re- Redoubtable uh, from Michael Hazanavicius uh, from France, who, of course, Hazanavicius should be known. Oh, um, the artist. From the, the artist. artist, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodan uh, from Jacques. Dion or Doi Doi God I can't Doalan 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 from France and Belgium. The Beguiled uh, Sofia Coppola from the United States. The Day After from Hong Sang Soo South Korea. 
The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is the follow-up for Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, and he's uh, from Greece and Ireland. And then we have, okay, uh, the Mayor Rowitz stories, new and selected, from Noah Baumbach, uh, United States. Wonderstruck from Todd Haynes, United States. And that's his follow-up to Carol. And You Were Never Really Here from Lim, Lynn Ramsey uh, from the United Kingdom. And so um, for myself, uh, in the competition here, I am probably most excited for Okja, mm-hmm. The Beguiled, and The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, Killing of the Sacred Deer, I'm a... Obviously, looking forward to that after Dogtooth and the Lobster. I think he's on a roll now. Yeah. And I think as well, if what you've got to look at, well, I won't go into it too much, but with Can, you get a lot of um, the same names appear and eventually they'll win something. It's not always the case. Um, it's, it's it's more based on merit than awards, but I think Dogtooth uh, won by uh, uncertain regard, I think it was, back in 2010. And then is. Um, Got one of the main prizes. So I mean, with this one, if if it's good, I mean, the good films don't always win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to predict anything yet. But I think it's going to be it's going to be talked about a lot. If it, if it hits off, if it's anything as good as Dogtooth, um, could be looking at one of the prizes for him straight away already. So but anyway. So uh, how about you guys? What are you guys most excited uh, of this uh, competition lineup? I. Uh, probably uh, The Beguiled by Sofia Coppola. I'm a huge fan of her work. Uh, thought The Bling Ring is an, was probably one of most her second best movie. Just a very, very underrated film and just one of the best filmmakers out there. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with you. I really like The Bling Ring too. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in various films here. You know, Okja, uh, The Beguiled, Happy End, because I'm interested in Michael Haneke's filmography. Yeah. I need to see more of him, but but I'd like to see this one too. Wonderstruck, of course, with Todd Haynes. Uh, the Killing of Sacred Deer. And I think that's about it. Of course, I, I would like to see the other films too, you know. So I can learn from from international films a little bit more. Yeah, I think you've got to look out. There's two. There's two other thing. Other you've got to look out for, which is there's a female director called Naomi Kawase, and she's she's done the film Hikari, and she's been to Cannes before. Um, her last film doesn't do too well, but the one before, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called The Morning Forest, was really good. So she's like a big name in Cannes, but nobody's really talking about it. So I think she's one to look for, and Fatty Akin as well uh, in the third. I think his film again. It's, if, if the if the films are good, if the, if they deserve it on merit. Mm. But I think if uh, is I don't know if you've seen Edge of Heaven. He, he won the screenplay for that a few years ago. Very talented, very talented filmmaker. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. German Turkish okay. production. Yeah, I'm just looking at that one up right now. Yeah, look for it. Oh, is yeah. that a TV show? No, it's film. Uh, 2007. Oh, okay. Is is. He's one of the household names, you know, of Cannes that nobody really talks about. But he's he's got a new film coming, so there'll be a lot of lot of people looking forward to that. Okay, I'm not going to predict it for the Palme d'Or, but I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> yeah. What do we think uh, could win the Palme d'Or here? 
I, I would like to predict, but I, I, it's unfair for me, like, trying to predict without knowing most most of the directors here involved, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I know it's, it's, it's kind of, kind of, uh, sad. I, I haven't had time to, to watch most of them because, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're artists. They're, they're, they're very good artists. So I would like to, to learn more about them, you know? Yeah. Well, I was just looking here at the Wikipedia page for the festival and it looks like Pedro Almodovar is going to be the president of the jury. Yes. Yeah, And then Monica Bellucci is also hosting, so that should be pretty cool. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give a lot away though, does it? Because I, mean, I remember when Tarantino was the president and a, a documentary mm -hmm. one. So I mean, you think Tarantino? Oh, he's going to pick some something crazy. It doesn't work that way. Scorsese picked um, like a very sort of dreamy Greek film, and what did the mad George Miller? What did he pick? He was last year, was it? Um, so a, bit, a British film. Really. Deep on, right? No, that oh, was Deepon. two years ago. Yeah. That oh, was, um, oh, what the heck? Um, um, I yeah, Daniel Blake, right? I Daniel Blake. Yeah. So you, it's not. Sometimes I think you look at the president and you think, oh, they're gonna, but it's mm -hmm. you, you never really know. Sometimes a household name like who's been around for a long time hasn't won. Like Michael Haneke has won two Palm Doors. So he's probably. It doesn't really work that way, but you can sort of see it in the thinking that that would have to be something special. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, the the two I mentioned, the uh, Fatih Akin and the and Naomi Kawasaki, I think they're they're two to watch. But I've I've gone record to say they're two to watch, definitely. Okay. So then, what about like the stuff that's not in competition? Are you most excited for? Because I know for me. Um... I would love to see Wind River, the one from Taylor Sheridan, uh, that also premiered at Sundance. Then uh, I saw on here, there's going to be like the first two episodes, I believe, of the new Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, that is a little strange that they would have two episodes of a TV show. Yeah. That's But I mean, it is David Lynch, though, and so it's just nice to have David Lynch back. Top of the Lake, too, it's also there with Jane Campion. Yeah. 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 Is that a mm -hmm. TV show or is that a movie? TV show. It's a miniseries, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. On Showtime, right? Uh, I don't remember either. I know it's not a HBO, but it's uh, it's the other one. It's Showtime or Cinemax had uh, had the first the first miniseries of Top of the Lake, which was uh, protagonized by Catherine Kath Moss, no, Elizabeth Moss. Sorry, I, yeah, I remember. Right. Batman, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just noticed as well that um, we're going to have a short film, at least, from Alejandro Iñárritu, Flesh and Sand. That's interesting. He just kind of snuck that in. It says virtual reality. He's going to use virtual reality for this? Oh, my God. He's getting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robin, what does that even mean, virtual reality? Like... Is that a new thing here at Con, or has that been around? I'm not sure. I mean, is, is it going to be like the headsets on the beach, or that's something? <laughs> I, that's something oh, I'll have to look into. But I mean, like, can an audience like all do that at the same time? Why not? Well, it's yeah. a veto. It can do whatever he likes. Wow. Well, I wonder how that would work then with like distribution. I think. I think this this is not something he wants to distribute. He, it, it's more like 
uh, first thing, you know, like something he wants to show off, you know, like I'm doing this first. I, I, I'm looking for reactions of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. And then after that, maybe he decides to distribute because I don't think he, in his mind, that, that that's his purpose first, you know. He wants to show it first and then whatever happens, you know. Because it's yeah. more right. it's more experimental than than something that that is concrete, you know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though. It's very interesting that that we have the, this kind of experiment in in camp film festival that is very, you know, uh, more uh, traditional in a sense in the sense of cinema, you know. Mm-hmm. I did have a question though about this. Um, so what is it about Khan that that you kind of respond to the most? It's sort of like your favorite aspect of it um well i love i love the festivals but i love the festivals that are not part of the you know the awards season as much as i'd love to be part of all of that obviously mm-hmm. go to the oscars and but then it's i found the can it's very refreshing but you know they submit them they submit these movies and they're usually the films at the end of the year if you look at the films i like at the end of the year about appearing pretentious a lot of them come from can and it, obviously, we have to wait a little bit longer for them. Sometimes, sometimes they come out the same year, don't they? But yeah. what I find is just the the prestige of it is wonderful. Uh, there's some some it's a place that I've always wanted to go. I think the whole thing, the press conferences they do, they do it's not like not a red carpet, but they do you know with the arrival, and the tech photographs, mm-hmm. and and then the interview. It's all it's just it's the whole sort of uh, industry. Of it is it's something I really want to be part of, and I love I love covering, and it's I get more excited about this now than I do the Oscars, which you know it's been for some time now. I mean, I used to love the Oscars; I still follow it, but yeah, for me this is like refreshing between between the award season and blockbuster summertime. You've got you've got the Cannes Film Festival, and right. I certainly want to explore other festivals as well. I mean, there's festivals in Greece, Sweden. You know, there's other festivals in America. Not just Sundance, but you know, there's other smaller festivals that I really want to. But I think Cannes the, is the big one, and everybody wants to go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said. I mean, it's prestigious. It's it's people like going in suits and ties and dresses and makeup, and yeah. they do their hair. And I mean, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. But it's also just it's it's sort of like that party where it's like it's the place to be seen. Yeah. You know, and I mean, plus, I mean, it's on the 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 the, the Riviera, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, you can't and you can't predict the winners as well. It's not like it's the whole thing that we go for the award season where we know what's going to happen. We don't, and it's about people sitting in a room and a jury. You know, it's like a court case. <laughs> Who's guilty? Uh, but they pick the winners <laughs> in them. Yeah, you know, I would love to. I would love to be in one of those rooms when they're talking about these films because one of my great passions is watching filmmakers talk about films and actors so and they get different people together every year they talk about it and they say right let's let's choose this best mm-hmm. actress let's let's go with that you know it's it's so it's so thrilling not to know and i'm usually pretty good at working out get a vibe but definitely next year i've got, I've got to go yeah you know you should start a, a gofundme page for that yeah because how much I see, I don't even have a clue like how much something like going to con would cost for like say a week and a half. Yeah, it'd be a lot. You figure accommodation. Looks for me, obviously, I'm just across the just across the water. Right. Yeah, so you wouldn't have as far to travel at least. 
but the, the Americans that God, it's like the ten hour flight and God knows how many how much that costs. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's something I would pay. From France, France is quite expensive anyway. So I mean, south mm-hmm. south south of France, I'm I'm guessing the accommodation will go up around about end of April. <laughs> you know, yeah, summer season's coming. But yeah, it's. London, London Film Festival. That's something I want to do. I think I'll try that first. Baby steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's next door. So, but. well, you know what'd be really cool about that if you do the London Film Festival is, um, I know Patty's there like every year. Yeah, I'm gonna try and go with him. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, we can get him on the podcast with us. Absolutely. And then the two of you can be like the the correspondents and and give us all the <laughs> the good the stuff we want to know. Yeah, absolutely. That's that up for that. Yeah, and then of course, if you do go to con, like say next year, well, hell, <laughs> that'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe we could even score like um, an interview with Sasha and everything else. Yeah, I mean, you could. I could interview interview me on the beach. I could be on the beach and uh, yeah, I could join you for a few minutes. <laughs> You'd be like, Is sorry guys, I, I I I know you got to we're going to do this podcast, but I really just want to, like, lay out on the beach and soak up the sun and, you know, yeah. drink my wine. <laughs> <laughs> Sip some champagne. Yeah. So, yeah. What's not to love? Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. And I, I seem to love it more every year. I get really into it. You can see on my site how I'm just mm-hmm. churning out this, you know, so hopefully I can write from fans next year, but we'll see. Yeah, it would be really amazing. Um you're closer to that to any of us, you know. You're, yeah. You're just, like it's, it's just a a jump in the in the in the pond, and you're you're there in can. Yeah. <laughs> leap across the water. Yeah. Yes. So, how closely do you follow con, uh, Joel? Um, since I began watching movies uh, in 2012, you know, like really, really watching it for for what it is for 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 the art of making movies. Uh, I'm not really, really close to to Cannes Film Festival. I have become closer these past two years, you know. But but still, I, I need a lot to learn uh, on it and and international uh, films overall. Uh, mm. So so yeah, hopefully these next years uh, I will be more uh, more close to it, you know. Like yeah, it depends yeah. what you like as well. I- I'll be honest with you, I don't... You've talked about the blockbusters and things like that. That's not really for me. I'm happy to talk about it and listen, obviously. I'm not going to... But the films that come out of Cannes just sort of speak to me a lot more, you know, like the films that don't go to the Oscars. No, exactly. And and I would like that, you know. I would like to have a balance, you know, both, like blockbuster films, indie films, international films, you know, of everything, a balance of everything. I, I, I like that. I like to to have a knowledge of almost everything because I, I think that's good because it's it opens it open up your 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 mind your 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 experience you know to to what to what film is yeah uh, different styles and different uh ways of of admiring the seventh art so so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and that's what i like about it too because it's kind of like the the doorway into these kinds of, as you know, like uh, you were saying on Facebook about how like more art house type of films that I, I need to get into um, with, you know, 
because like if you just look at my my picks that I made from the, on the last on the last podcast, how like they're still mostly mainstream, and you know nothing wrong with mainstream, but like I know there's a lot of people out there that like more of the art house kind of the you know like the the foreign kind of stuff, the stuff that's not just for everyone. Yeah, like it's not just vanilla and chocolate. It's like it's you know it's all these other flavors, you know. Mhm. And uh, so I I found interestingly enough that as I've started watching more of these art house kind of films, uh, that I'm finding that um, some of these blockbusters are kind of becoming less and less interesting because it's like. Okay, yeah, maybe getting a little burnt out on that kind of stuff. Now, granted, I just uh, waxed poetically about uh, the Fate of the Furious, but, you know, I mean, that's that's the Fate of the Furious. That's a little bit, you know, I grew up with these characters to some rega- uh, degree, so I, I've been in their lives for the last 16 years, you know. But yeah. some of these other movies, it's like, I just, I don't even know if I really care that much anymore because it's like I'd rather get a more rounded experience with what it is that I'm watching, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what's so great about these, because they're, they're stuff like, they're innovators, you know? There's stuff that, uh, on the forefront of what film will be for 20, 30 years down the line. Yeah. I'm, when I began this, this journey, you know, of, of watching movies, I, I tried to watch movies that were, not very recognized by people, you know, the mainstream movies. Uh, I began with somehow Oscar winners, you know, with A Beautiful Mind, uh, The Pianist, uh, you know, that that sort of movies that, that were popular, but at the same time, they, they weren't known by everyone, you know. Yeah. And that's where it all began. And then I... You know, I I discover other directors and and other films like them, like The Pianist and, and Beautiful Mind, and that's that's how I'm here. You know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I remember that some of the movies I watched at first, I was like, wait, I don't understand this. What is happening? Because it required a little more uh, experience, a little more. Uh, thought, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that the, the understanding of the movie is not in your face, you know, it's like you had to, to think about it a little more, and yeah. and I like that, you know, that, that the movie uh tried to um challenge me to think a little bit more of what I'm of, I'm, of what I'm watching, you know, with at, at first glance, you know, uh, so so yeah, that. That's why I, I like to have a balance because yeah I need to 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 watch other movies than the mainstreams but sometimes I need to get out of what I'm watching and and go watch mainstream movies so I can like have uh, a brief you know um, so I can relax my mind and then go watch another art house film or something like that so like a relaxing moment. <laughs>
the, Can the, I ask something quick, quickly, yeah. Robin? Yeah, yeah. About the Netflix controversy in 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 Cannes. You know, there, there's going to be two movies, I think, that are from Netflix, and they're going to debut in in Cannes. And there oh, there yeah, has been a lot of noise because uh, some of the French, uh, I, how's the word? Uh, some of the French people that that, that deal with the um, with the fears there in, in Cannes, they don't want to put the, those movies on. Uh, what can you say about that? Uh, what what do, what do you think about it? Well, so uh, yeah, some of the Netflix things is, is really it's a really tricky one because obviously the people don't don't really see it as a producer of films, do they? They see it as a TV binge uh, thing. But I think um, it has to take off in Cannes as well, and it has to take off in other places because it is a It is a means now of producing films. Not just it's not just um, something you, a channel to watch films, you know, like a video library. You know, they actually they actually produce you know they produce a lot of good television as well, and that's been recognised now. And I think the American awards are kind of picking up on it a little bit, making a bit of a big deal out of it, like with Amazon as well. So I think the festivals, obviously, the festival circuit is eventually it's gonna it's gonna snowball, isn't it? It's gonna I have to I have to sort of pay attention to that. So I don't have a lot of thoughts on what I think. I think it should be given a chance. Yeah, so that's what uh, I thought too. You know, because it's it's the future. Even even yeah. though they they don't want to admit it's the future, so I think if they begin now accepting it and later on adding more films, you know, then, a lot of good films. Yeah, now on yeah. Netflix now that I wouldn't be able to see it in the cinema anywhere else. So. I've got to be thankful for that. Yeah, and and it and it opens the the door to to films that maybe like people like me that don't have the chance to travel to other places, uh, that 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 much as other people, you know. Yeah. Uh, I can see it through Netflix, you know, uh, because I I have access to it. So so yeah, it's 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 a very good opportunity for that, you know, to to expose other films that that. That people somehow can watch it on theaters or or in other countries, so maybe Netflix can help with that, and Amazon and and Hulu, whatever, you know. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get to the stage where we never leave our homes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joel, what are these um, Netflix movies that are coming to come? Okja and the Mayerowitz stories. Okay. So the, Yes, those those are the two films, and they're gotcha. in the Pondy Orn lineup. Wow, sign the competition in. Wow, that's that's nice. When I hear of that, like when I think like films in Canada are gonna be on Netflix, I get I get really excited and think, you know, I'll go and log in and check it. You know, obviously, <laughs> obviously it's not there now, but you know, it is for me. It's I'm someone who can't always get to the cinema, and I live in a city that has a few cinemas, but never, we never get we never get indie foreign films here, and we never get anything like that. So it's it's a great opportunity. You know, obviously to go to Cannes myself would be would be better, but mm. Netflix is just a bit cheaper. You know, six pound a month. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's almost free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we 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 watch it a lot. We watch there's a lot of TV on there now. You know, my wife's okay. watching Mad Men. You know, so, well, yeah, I'm almost done with the first season. So I mean, obviously I'll publish this, so it's obviously going to be easy to see it with the links. Um, but these are like ten films that I think probably a lot of people haven't seen. Um, that you should and are available to watch online or 
Well, maybe at your local theatre. Well, who knows? Um, I'll go through them really quickly, and you'll get an impression of. All right. Hmm. Yeah, That's I know beautiful. Tree of I know Tree of Life shouldn't have won. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll go through them quickly. Then. So I'll do them in chronological order. Okay. Uh, so from nineteen fifty three. Yeah, this is not. This is this is really tricky. This is going to be quite funny to listen to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wages of Fear. Okay. Central. Nineteen fifty three. Uh, that's a really old film, but so absolute classic. <laughs> From uh, Henry George Clouseau, and that's on iTunes and Amazon, and that's um, set in like the heat of Mexico, and the group of workers have to go on a very dangerous sort of work. They get paid well for it, but it's very, very dangerous. Very, very good film. Very like well acted, well shot. Uh, then we're going to go to 1964, which was a uh, Damien Chazelle, one of his biggest influences, I think, and The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which is Musical, which is literally like every all the dialogue is not spoken, it's sung, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of when that happens in films generally. But this, this Jack Demi absolutely nails it. It's one of my favourite films of all time. So that's that's also available online. You should see that. A film you've never heard of called The Tree of Wooden Clogs. <laughs> right, I've never heard of it. It's a 1978 Italian film, um, and it's. It's about sort of poverty in Italy. I think it's about four different families, and they're all non-actors. It's, it's very bleak, but it's very good. So there's that one as well. Um, Paris, Texas. I think you've probably heard of Paris, Texas. Yep. Which is really, really great film. Great performance from Tashkinsky and Harry Dean Stanton. Okay. Um, in 1993, Farewell, My Concubine, Chinese film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant film. Have you seen that? Sadly, no, I haven't yet. Um, But you know, for for like Chinese cinema, there's a couple others that I'm I'm working my see. Like to me, Farewell, My Concubine is kind of like Seven Samurai, where I'm kind of working my way towards it. Yeah. Yeah, I I already had it in my in my watch list. I think that was the film that lost to to Mediterranean in the foreign film language uh, category that year. Oh my yeah, god! It, it shared the palm d'or with the piano as well, which is which is good. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's like about Chinese politics. It covers fifty years, but it it makes it accessible, and it's beautifully shot. You don't have to know a lot about Chinese history to enjoy it. You know that, and that and that's great when films can do that. Um, another history, a film about Yugoslavia, how it's become Serbia over the over the years. Uh, it's called Underground. And it's almost satirical. It's it's very serious. It's about obviously Yugoslavia. I don't know if you know a lot about Yugoslavia and what happened to them after the war and in the nineties. I know a little um, bit because uh, they, they there was a sports documentary about um, Drazen Petrovic and Vladi Divac who were uh, teammates when it was Yugoslavia, but then they became almost like supposed to be enemies when there was Croatia and Serbia. Yeah. So it covers that. It's not. It's not. It's kind of uses that as a blueprint for the, for the, um, for the story. It's about two men who grow up together and there's war. But but it's quite funny as well. It's done in a very accessible way once again. Okay. Nineteen ninety eight. Eternity in a day. Greek film. Which one? Eternity in a day. It's called. Dear Angelopoulos. I don't know if you've heard of that. Have you? You've probably heard of the, the filmmaker. 
Um, but he won in 98. And that was when Scorsese was the president. Okay. I think he described it as like one of the finest films I'd ever seen or something like that, which, which was nice. Um, and there's a funny story, actually, which I'll, I'm going to cover on one of my posts, but the director, a couple of years earlier, had lost the Palm d'Or to Underground, the film I just mentioned, for that for the film he did with Harvey Keitel. The, um, Are you talking about the, direct, the, the Greek director? Yeah, the Greek film. I've forgotten the name of it now. Ulysses Gears. Yeah, that one. Okay. And when he won, I think he won like the Jury Prize or the Grand Prize, and when he won, he, he said uh, something like, oh, is, this, is this all I'm going to get? But I think he was kind of joking. It was like Greeks and humour, but obviously mm-hmm. he won. He won three years later, so I don't think he was like... If you, there's a video. I'll, I'm going to post a video, but you'll see he's uh, very tongue-in-cheek. But very funny, I think. He got a good response for that. Nice. At the Oscars, at the Oscars, you'd never get invited if you said something like that. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, so three more real quick. Uh, I've got to mention the dad and brothers from Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, the Child, Leon Font, 2005, really good. About a young couple, have a baby, and it's, I'm not spoiling anything. The guy sells it because they've got no money. She finds out, she kicks his, kicks his ass, oh, um, wow. <laughs> and they, they get it back, but it breaks the relationship. But it's the directors are so like gritty, so real. They get right under under your skin. It's like watching documentary. They're, they're so talented. Uh, check out Rosetta as well which also won the Palm d'Or. Um, four months, three weeks, two days, Romanian film, uh, Christine Mungu, uh, which which I've talked about before, obviously. It's one of my favourites. Two students arranged an illegal abortion during the 80s, Romania, and it was completely against the rules, which it kind of is anyway, but back then in Romania, it was, things were very, very tough. Um, and that's also very compelling, unforgiving, very convincing uh, and I'm going to finish quickly with Winter Sleep, which Al, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Which is long, <laughs> but it's such a good-looking film. And it's the Turkish director, uh, Nuri Bilj Ceylan. I'm probably butchering his name. But he's been in Cannes so many times, and he makes such beautiful films. Um, and this one's kind of about uh, the divide between rich and poor, the dynamics with his family members and his and his wife, he's got a very young wife. And it's not for everyone. It's, it's a tough to sit through it. It's very long, but I loved it. You know. okay. um, and that's, you know. But all these are available on Netflix, iTunes, Amazon. I'll do a full write-up and, you know, get these out so people can click on the links. And sure. Get, get watching them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he also yeah. did Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, too. Yeah, yeah, which is really good. Really good for okay. me. I've seen that one pop up several times. Like people will say how good that one is. Yeah, she's good. Terrific. So that's they're, they're ten. I mean, there's there's many more. You know, um, blue is the warmest color. The white ribbon. Uh, Taste of cherry, an Iranian film from '97, and then obviously you've got obvious ones like Taxi Driver mm-hmm. and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but everyone's seen Taxi Driver and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, exactly. So you know, on that note, I'll. Um, I'll shush. But I think okay. that, that there's, there's plenty there to go on, and once I get published, you'll, you know, our viewers will be able to get watching these films. Sure. All right. Well, uh, Joel, did you pick out three as your three of your favorite uh, Palm Dior winners? Well, of the seven I have watched, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> Only seven. I feel I feel awful, really. 
<laughs> no, it's okay, fine. So hey, that's a pretty good start. Okay, so of the seven I, I have watched, I have chosen Taxi Driver from mm-hmm. 1976. Robert, I'll be a Robert De Niro. Uh, I meant uh, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tantino, 1994. And one of my all-time favorites, I love it so much, this movie, The Pianist, by Roman Polanski, 2002. Okay, those are three excellent choices. Yes. Um, I've seen all three of those. Uh, They are all great. In fact, two of them also match my three favorites. Uh, Taxi Driver, of course, from Martin Scorsese. Pulp Fiction from Quentin Tarantino. And then um, Apocalypse Now from Francis Ford Coppola. Ford Coppola, Which I'm a little surprised. I didn't... I guess I didn't quite do enough research to realize this until today that Apocalypse Now had won the Palme d'Or. Yeah. That's amazing. Although it looks like it tied with the Tin Drum. Uh, Which is an amazing film, too. Yeah, and that actually was brought up on an episode of Flixation when they were doing, I think it was for their Flixmas, where they give each other uh, films to watch. And it was... um, I believe the Tin Drum was given to maybe Ian the Minister to review, and he he loved it. It was either you the Minister that. or it was Robert Gasway. I have not yet, um, but after yes. what they said about it, it sounds really cool. It's messed up. It's messed up. <laughs> Is it okay? <laughs> yeah, it's but it get it like that gets under your skin as well. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's quite disturbing. It's it's not. It's like something you wouldn't see these days. But yeah. For that, that and Apocalypse Now to share the prize, that says a lot about the what they're willing to award, which is great, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of good winners here. Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies, Robin. Yeah, I, I liked it. I just didn't want to pick ones I think people have probably seen. Sure, sure. Okay, that makes Secrets sense. Secrets and Lies, yeah. It's, it's, it's on my list in front of me here, yeah. Secrets mm-hmm. and Lies. Barton, Barton Fink, 91, you know. Yeah. Six. Uh, you know, believe it or not, I kind of liked Fahrenheit 9-11. Um, I, I looked at it sort of like just a two-hour joke. Yeah. <laughs> strange, strange choice for the Palm Dor, though. Very strange. Yeah. Political exactly. choice. Right. Although I'm guessing probably the weirdest film that's ever won the Palme d'Or is Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives. Yeah, and I've seen that. I have seen it. Yeah. It's very odd. Is it good? It, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of about reincarnation and um, civilization, but it's 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 odd. You know, you'll have to see it, but there's there's like funny creatures in it, and uh, there's a, a scene with a woman and a, and a fish. Getting reacquainted. That's all I'm going to say. But watch it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a nice start. <laughs> <laughs> a woman and a fish. Yes. I won't give anything in no spoilers here. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no, uh, no, uh, uh like, uh, in the Fate of the Furious where, you know, all yeah. the spoilers we gave. <laughs> you bet. Ruined it for me. R- right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, now you, now well, you don't need to see it. So actually, fair, I did you a favor. I have read the book. Oh, uh, for um, Uncle Boonmi? Or, or no, or no. you mean for... <laughs> oh, you mean the book of the Furious? <laughs> yeah. Well, the book, I'm sure the book is much better. Great adaptation. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think with that, we should probably end this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what do we think we want to do next uh, for when we come back together? Because I know we're going to have uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 come out. Yep. And obviously Khan will be closer to getting started. Yeah, we can, I can sort of talk about that a bit more, obviously, but uh, we can, we'll probably see some more films by then. I've got plenty to talk about. Okay. Um, what What's upcoming as well in the summer? We can have a quick, quick flick through the summer sure. preview. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, and then we can, I, you know, I should finally get to the, um, the, um, I'm not, I don't feel at home in this world anymore because I keep, I keep thinking I got to get back to, to checking that out again. And Joel, did you end up watching that? Yes, I watched it. I think it was the Tuesday after after our our podcast, I think. Okay. Sweet. I remember watching it after it. So Okay. So yeah, it, it was a beautiful experience, I think. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, let's save that and then um I will make sure to watch that as well then, uh, the whole way through. Cool. And well, then we can we can talk about it. Yeah, and uh, I'll uh, lock, lock the kids up next time. I kind of like hearing them. They're cute. Yeah, they're doing yes. okay. Very tired. It's time for bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on that note, I think I'll, uh, I'll say goodbye. Sure. All right. Well, yeah. all right. Goodbye. Have yeah, a great, a uh, yeah, have a nice rest of your night. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, see you later then, all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice to talk to you again, Joel. Yep. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. No, this is not a test. Never was. Never will be. You can take my best. It's yours. It was never for me. I'm just looking for something to get me out of my seat. Something that's true. What did I do? Something that's true What can I do?